Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and passed over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to the Afterlight. And I'm joined today by Carrie Honey. She is a dream analyst, an artist, and expert on the Eastern and Western archetypes that inspire our dreams and oracles. Through her website, Cafe O Soul, she bridges the gap between an appreciation for nature and the spiritual journey. Her online I Ching is ranked number one in internet searches. She is the author of seven books that include dreams, ancient astrology, tarot's archetypes, and translations of the Tao Te Ching and I Ching. She also developed apps that achieve new and noteworthy status at iTunes. Her music incorporates shamanic drumming with world chants to enhance yoga and meditation practice. And uh, Carrie is joining me today. We're going to be talking a lot about archetypes, but who really knows what we're going to get up to with a background like that. Carrie, welcome. <laughs> Have you done it all? Or Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely open to creativity. So, yeah, I love it. that. What do you think inspires you? Have you always been a, an artist, a creative, or do you kind of sometimes see inspiration in nature? How does it sort of happen for you? You know, I think I I just was sort of as a child, um, just I didn't see the world like everybody else, and I just chose never to change. <laughs> you know, while everybody else kind of bought into conformity. Um, I just didn't. Um, and I, and I think like a lot of my work with dreams have taught me a, a lot about opening, you know, to the creative process, because that's what we're doing yeah. when we're dreaming. And so, you know, I think I just, I'm good at it, let's say. And I have to apologize for my voice. It's still a little bit iffy. <laughs> I just got over something and well, it sounds okay. kind of cool, though. It's a little bit seductive. <laughs> right. Like a late night talk show. Yeah, that's exactly radio, what it sounds radio like. Radio so, personality. Yeah, exactly. So it's all good. We're all getting settled in here and listening to you. <laughs> well, one of the things that I love to do is I love to find out about how my guest's spiritual journey began. So it seems to me as though you've always been a creative. Uh, have you always been on the spiritual journey? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, whatever, whatever sort of imaginative connections, you know, maybe that's what my mom would have called it. Um, you know, just being able to sort of see beyond kind of the routine of what everybody else is limited by, kind of being able to see a deeper pattern, let's say. I've always been in touch with that. And even when I was a little girl, you know, I was I was interpreting 
people's dreams, you know, and I, I, I was a poet. I went to high school, I had my own apartment and I was like Bob Dylan playing guitar. And so, you know, so it's kind of like, I think um, to me, that's, it, I don't know that it's so much a spiritual journey, yeah. uh, but, but sort of a willingness to just keep um, farming the moment and its possibilities, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you're talking, it kind of seems to me that maybe you grew up in an environment that really supported that. You did earlier talk about not feeling the need to conform. And I mean, have you always just sort of danced to the beat of your own drum? Do you think that your upbringing was a big part of that? Was open-mindedness or creativity uh, or even dream interpretation, for example, conversations you had in your household growing up? No, I really think it was, I was wired for it. You know, like I, I had experiences out of body as a, as a little girl that later, you know, um, would, would be diagnosed as a form of temporal lobe epilepsy, not like the full, full blown epilepsy, but, but like what they called a complex partial, um, you know, and, and, and they didn't happen all the time. They only happened at, you know, periods of my life, but there were just some things that happened when I was young in those states, you know, that just showed me there was more. Uh, to this life experience and um, then just going to school and f figuring out how to look nice and attract guys or, you know, get a good car. <laughs> you know, I, I just always was very, I don't know, I, I, I'm very, I care a lot about other people and I, I try to be there, you know, if someone needs me kind of thing without, you know, being a fixer. <laughs> you really strike me as being a really gentle person. You really have a beautiful, feminine, calm energy about you. I'm not sure whether or not that's something that you've developed over time, or you've always sort of been that way. When did you start to realize that you had a strong intuition that the dreams interpretations that you were coming up with were, were accurate? I mean, did you get validation from people when you were? Well, I think, you know, that's an interesting question because I think it was, it was the fact that I didn't get the validation that made me do this so well, let's say in terms of like people, you know, I've written books or, you know, I, I obviously have popular, a popular website as a dream interpretation. But there was a time when I was uh, talking to publishers about dreams, you know, a dream book. And they're, they are like looking at me like, oh yeah, right. Where are you from California? And it was kind of like, it's those kinds of moments where you either give up or your idea is so real for you that, that you just keep going. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, I think when I was young, talk, talking about dreams it was in the seventies. So it wasn't so bad, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But then when I started writing about them in the nineties, it wasn't really until apps I wrote, I, I created an app that interprets your dreams. And it wasn't until maybe the younger generation that, that was the early adopter for apps, you know, they were totally hearing what I was saying that, you know, we dream you know, we spend so much of our life in that condition and we're learning, if not more than what we're learning on the life path, you know, so yeah, dreams have some, some relevance. So, but I, I really feel like it's the pushing back that, that it's when we have to defend in the face of people's telling us we're nuts, that we really come cl close to our truth. 
right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I just was watching a masterclass with Sarah Blakely and she's the founder of Spanx. And she was talking about how (laughs) she worked on her business for an entire year and didn't tell anybody what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And she said that it wasn't until she was so invested in her concept that she told people and she was ready to deal with whatever criticism they threw at her because she knew she was strong enough to push through anything that they would say. And I, I find that an interesting idea, I guess, in a way that you you kind of sometimes you know so strongly that there's something meant for you. And I just find that sometimes when we bring too many people into the fold or we get the permission, we want the permission or the support or encouragement of the people around us, sometimes we can get off track, especially depending on the company that we keep. How do you find in your life the difference between knowing when you're supposed to push through something and knowing when you're supposed to pivot? Because I find that that sometimes can be difficult to discern. Well, you were mentioning earlier that I seem really feminine and and caring and and all that, which I am, but but I also have a tenacity, you know, that might be a little bit more masculine, you know, in that I don't don't mind being a pioneer. I don't mind pushing. So I don't, I, I think, when I'm, uh, like I said, with that thing, when, when one door closes, I just look for the, the open door. But, but yeah, there are times where you can feel that things just aren't flowing. You're not in flow yeah, yeah. and you're banging your head against the wall. And then sometimes you have to kind of step back. And usually there's a, there's a reason, you know, and you can't say it's always the same because like I said, in some cases we're meant to like prove our sincerity and what we're doing to ourselves, or, you know, and in, in other cases, it might be that there's a, you know, a little bit of a change needs to be made in order for it to work. But, uh, but I, but I feel like getting people's buyback, I mean, obviously, uh, somebody creates banks, and, you know, and, and you're building something, you know, for business, uh, you want to make sure you have a market, a demographic for what you're selling. Um, in the spiritual world, it's really not so different, I guess, you know, because there's a lot of different, there's a million different ways to reach our higher self or truth or, or whatever. But my idea of like how we find our uniqueness, I mean, one thing I always say is nature designed us to be incredibly unique, even among our siblings, because mm. the DNA mix up, you know, is different. And it's obviously different from our parents. And, you know, we're, we're, we're so unique that, you know, getting people to understand or, or, you know, tell us, oh yeah, that your, your weirdness is cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're following me, but I think I just feel like it's more important to be uniquely ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and then, yeah, like when you're, when you've got to sell something, obviously there's gotta be a market for it but not when it, when it comes to understanding who we are. Is that something that you've always been pretty consistent in is honoring yourself? Because I think that sometimes it's, it can be difficult to, you know, be compassionate with ourselves or love ourselves the way we are unconditionally. And, you know, I know for me, I've been reprogramming my mind for over 20 years. I use my affirmations, things like that. And I work at it. I feel, you know, to be compassionate with, with myself and, and remember I'm doing the best I can. And we're all operating for the level of consciousness that we're at. Do you think it's, it gets easier to stay to not, I don't want to say stay in your own lane, but you know, to just almost stay in your own lane to just honor your journey and to show up for yourself? Yeah, I think for me, it it has more to do with 
not, you know, there's a saying in Taoism, which I've done a couple translations of those, you know, that kind of philosophy. So there's a, there's a saying, you know, don't be the host, become the guest. And in 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 go that's what flow is all about right like or you know not having a outcome or whatever you know you learn in yoga or you know the same idea like you're we're not in control and life knows what it's been doing it's been perfecting itself for billions of years we just showed up minutes ago and it has probably has a better understanding of where i need to be you know and so i guess what i'm saying is i let go to the life process mm-hmm. more than i consider whether I'm being, you know, how could I judge myself in, as being complete, perfect, good, bad? I don't. I, I just am. I'm just being. Mm-hmm. And I know I make mistakes, you know, because, you know, life even creates wonderful things out of mistakes like oxygen or what looked like a mistake or, you know, so I think just in the, you know, the, the key for me in feeling at peace with myself might be a good way to put it is just to be, you know, uh, to be malleable to the way that 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 we're part of this big fabric that that's pushing towards something better. Yeah, that's beautiful. And when you were talking, you know, I heard from Wayne Dyer, one of his teachings, he was talking about when we think we're doing, we're actually being done. And I love that. And I <laughs> thought it sort of complimented what you were just saying there. Yeah, it's like we're we're busy then. And when we're busy, we're not in flow. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks's teachings, and you know, there's a lot of talk about how we feel the need to always be acting when sometimes we just need to sit back and allow things to unfold in front of us. And uh, you know, I think that when we live in such a interesting time, you know, there's a lot of effort on action, taking action, you know, setting your goal, working hard, working really hard, working 60, 80 hours a week, you know, to make your dreams come true. But I think that when you're aware on when you're on the spiritual path, you're kind of a little bit aware of the the yin and the yang and the need to give and receive and the need to go with the flow and and sometimes just maybe even just stay where you are for a moment until you feel good about your next step. Yeah, I mean, and there's a there's another idea from Taoism called Wu Wei, W-U and then W-E-I, which is that the idea of not doing and it can be, you know, convoluted as it go as as it got into Buddhism and or different different practices, but the idea of not doing isn't like to negate the outer world or to sit in meditation or you know not doing is really Wu Wei is the idea of you can be successful but don't do anything that's not natural you know don't push follow or you know what I mean so there's like a an art to oh. to being successful and finding the balance between. Uh, you know, whether I feel like if it's if it's real within you, it's going to happen. And then as you go out into the world, you know, that Wu Wei is don't push it, don't force it, don't make it go too fast. Don't put a lot of emphasis into it, throw it out there and let it blossom. You know what I mean? Mm. It's uh, so it's kind of the, the idea of not doing is really not doing anything that would be unnatural, that wouldn't be, you know, part of the flow. That's so good. Thank you for explaining it that way. Cause I think that's actually a perfect way of explaining almost no action. You're saying it's not no action. It's no, it's not taking action. That's not, it's not taking action. That's not in alignment. Right. Or, or that would be like unnatural, 
because yeah. when you take when you take action where it's a win for you but a loss for someone else, you know that's not necessarily you know in the big scheme of things, it's usually a win-win even if it looks like a loss. Something you know, their life is constantly evolving and growing and re re rebuilding itself from you know transformation, whatever. So it's kind of like uh, being and being true to yourself, right? Is where it, where I think it all starts. Yeah. So so like your question about whether you know how how you can be gentle with yourself, you know, again is the same way you would treat another person or or something out there. You treat yourself that way, mm-hmm. you know. You have compassion and forgiveness, and I don't I don't know, blah blah blah. It sounds like woo woo. <laughs> well, this whole show is all woo woo. Geez, it's all good. <laughs> When did you first get introduced to Taoism? I've been collecting Chinese philosophy for, you know, I got books and books and books back when people used to have books, not, you know, not, not online, but, um, so I have quite a, quite a, you know, buildup of them. And I just really was attracted to Wang Tzu. Uh, I liked his ideas about, um, you know, wandering in the unfathomable and, you know, kind of letting go into the not knowingness, you know, and I think when I, because I was so deep into the philosophy of the ancient, and we're talking ancient Chinese, so like the Confucius period or whatever, aren't isn't really that that was more of a social philosophy. This these were more of metaphysical, let's say. But when I approached then the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching, which I have translations of, I think they made sense to me because I you know had spent so much time with the. Chinese philosophers. And I see the Tao Te Ching as a work of uh, many people, not just Lao Tzu. You know, they say that's kind of like a myth, I think, that there's one guy that wrote that book. And and I see a lot of it in the uh, I Ching as well. You know, I see a lot, a lot of the line interpretations. People really like my translation of the I Ching. I, get, I constantly get emails from people thanking me or, you know, out of everything I've written, I think that's most popular. But I think that um, I saw a lot of the similar ideas in these uh, other translations of of some of these ideas from the philosophers. So, I, you know, I've been into Taoism. In fact, my first website was Way of Tao, still points to Cafe of Soul, but it goes back about, you know, 15 years, I guess. That, that I've had the website. You know, I kind of spent my life really studying comparative philosophy, mythology, religion, psychology. You know, so I've sort of been around the block before I got, I got to the Chinese version. And what was most impressive was that in the West, they were trying to understand nature or life, the life experience from kind of a humanistic standpoint, you know, where in Taoism, which preceded Buddhism. Buddhism was kind of a blend of Hinduism and Taoism in China. But in in Taoism, they were looking at nature to understand the human condition. You know, it was, was, so it was, it's, you know, and that's why I think it's so timeless. And there are so many physicists that once they, you know, get into some of these Taoist ideas, like even Leibniz, and I don't pronounce his name right, but Leibniz is the one who put together the binary code that we use today in technology, the open and closed lines, O's and ones, ones and O's in different sequences. He basically laid one of the I Ching hexagrams on on its side and saw that 
it, it, it's open and closed lines. You know, it's, you'd have to look at it more visually to, to understand what I'm saying. But, you know, Niels Bohr, who, you know, did a lot for quantum, quantum, you know, physics, he had a yin and yang symbol on his coat of arms. And, and, and Fritz Jeff Capra, who wrote the Tao of Physics, I think a lot of these scientists can appreciate how beautiful some of the ideas that come from Taoism are because they're, because they're based on nature. That's my feeling. Mm. Because it was really based on what does water do? What does the wind do? What does, you know, the lake, the joyous lake, you know? And people like Eckhart Tolle and uh, Dwayne Wire, and they're, they're really just kind of reworking the, the Taoist ideas. They're fundamentally, like Alan Watts, all of them are fundamentally inspired by the ideas of Taoism. What are some of your favorite teachings from Taoism? Any of the, anything in particular stand out for you as a way of, of living or as, you know, something that you think about often? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is, and I think you mentioned in the beginning of my bio, you know, I've created kind of a space for people to, to appreciate nature. Like I have a lot of people that would be into like environmentalism and all that, but finding a way that, that, it, that the human journey is a part of it, that we're a part of nature. It's like, how can, how can our spiritual journey be um, inspired by looking at the ways of nature? And mm. so I kind of, I have like a YouTube channel, nature's a guru. I have like a lot of the content on my website is really like looking at um, different processes in nature and what they can teach us about, you know, staying happy and being successful in our terms or whatever. And so I think it's the nature's inspiration aspect that I get the most out of uh, with with Taoism. Mm, So beautiful. It's so funny how, you know, when we do get out of our, our own heads and we do look at all the beauty around us, we can see yeah, even the cyclicalness of nature, the understanding that, you know, we go through seasons or we have, you know, night and day and we have periods where everything's blossoming and growing and we have periods where things are taking their time to hibernate and then grow again. And and we even we even have an inner garden that has to have a little bit of rain sometimes when we're crying, right? You know, like it's, it's all good. Mm, It's so beautiful. It's funny because, you know, when you think about it, we don't always, I I don't think that until about a year ago, I really understood about cycles and it's something I'm still learning for sure. I'm definitely not an expert in this, but I think that, you know, it never been explained to me that we don't have to be on all the time or that, you know, sometimes we're in a bit of a winter or sometimes we're in, you know, maybe a period of, of water when we're really intuitive and maybe really sensitive. And when we, maybe we do need to cry those tears to water our inner garden. It's such an important thing. Yeah. And we do, I think we do it every night. I think we, we go into kind of a a yang world by day and the yin world by night Mm -hmm. and we're, we're replenished. We're having an experience that feels every bit as real, you know, when we're dreaming, you know, and so it's kind of, the cycle is daily on some level with, with when you incorporate, you know, sleep and dreams. And one thing I will just say for any of your uh, listeners, everybody dreams every night. That's what <laughs> REM sleep is when we see from somebody's eyes wiggling. 
So just because we don't remember our dreams, which is a whole conversation, just because yeah. we don't remember them doesn't mean we're not dreaming, but we do all dream every night. Yes. Well, I don't think that it would be fair for us to try to get into a dream conversation in depth no, right, right now, knowing that we don't have like that long left. And yeah, so maybe we'll have to rain check that episode for another day. Um, but <laughs> one of the things I do want to ask you, you know, you seem to me to be very self-aware, very in tune, aware of the flow, aware of the cyclical natures of life, you know, honoring, you know, your own journey and, and, and all of these things. Um, and I guess my question to you is that, do you find that you uh, seek guidance along the way in terms of maybe Oracle cards or um, your I Ching or tarot? I know that you've got, you know, for example, built into your website where people can go and they can get a card reading, for example. So are these things that you use on a regular basis to assist you along the journey? You know, every day I'm discovering something, whether it's on a walk in the wilderness or I go to the Yijing, which is one of the oracles. I, I think that one is, I feel like is a, it's like working with a Zen master. And that's the way that it treats you when you're asking the questions. When you're using like tarot, I think you get more of like a story, a story of the past, present and future, uh, where when you're using the Yijing, you get more of kind of working with a Zen master where they throw, or sometimes the, the question's thrown back on you. Like, where's your place of birth? Today I ate rice, you know, or like thing, you know, maybe a little bit less clear, but it gives you something to sort of like reflect on. And it uses, you know, a lot of nature in its interpretation. So um, I, I think I, you know, just to answer your question, yeah, I used to eating a lot, probably more than I would with tarot. I read for people sometimes, you know, using tarot. Um, I definitely use astrology a lot. It blows my mind how accurate it is. And I think that's kind of the, the interesting thing is that, you know, the one question that I think most people have is who am I? Why am I here? You know, yeah. and I feel like part of that is answered in dreams. And for people who can't remember their dreams, oracles can be great at allowing for that kind of creative exploration of potential, the same stuff that happens when we're dreaming. And then, you know, I, I see an, an astrology chart. It's like a language to me. It comes together, all the symbols, and it starts telling a story. And I wouldn't say it's for everybody, but when but when we hit like the, the hard return or the, you know, like something where it's, it's a really challenging time for us um, and we don't understand what's going on. We, we can get some information from an astrology reading that can show us the ballast or not the ballast, kind of, you know, the how this tension, what feels like tension in our lives right now, how it's playing a part in helping us rise to, you know, the, the life story that we've presented for ourselves in astrology chart, right? <laughs> that we've signed up for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of, so I guess, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to go on a tangent. That's but fine. in that, in, in answering like, who, who am I and why am I here? You know, it seems like the bigger question would be, why weren't we designed to just know that already? I kind know. Of like a little box of cookies on the shelf with ingredients, you know, or, but, but I feel like, you know, the, this, the life experience is really that cocoon of our metamorphosis, you know, that, but it doesn't end when we go to sleep. So it's happening too. And we're having the experience of what we're doing, dreaming. And I think, you know, when I'm working with people, sometimes I do a, a session where they bring a dream and an oracle reading. 
and they're identical. The information is identical, which really blows my mind because uh, it just shows to me that there's something that wants to be known. Something wants to be revealed. So in answer to the question, who am I? There's some part of us that already knows and wants and uses these, uh, an experience, you know, that we have at the grocery store or or a reading in an oracle or, you know, that helps us like awaken to what it is. And do you find that what it is? So for example, you're basically talking about, or what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you're saying that sometimes we can have a dream or we can have an Oracle reading, or we can look at our astrology and we may see reoccurring themes that are showing up in our lives that are maybe, you know, almost like golden nuggets or little, little nudges from spirit, pushing us into a direction or getting us to look at something that maybe needs to be healed, come to the light, come to the surface. Do you find that, you know, the people around us can be illustrating, you know, some, some of those things as well. And I guess I want to launch into the idea of, of archetypes. If we could talk a little bit about what is an archetype and, you know, how do they show up around us? Yeah. Okay. So to, to answer your question, I, I think that I, I kind of see it as an evolutionary mechanism. You know, we didn't arrive here fully formed, you know, so as we are continuing to grow from infancy to a person in our consciousness and whatever. I don't know. I I don't even look at it like there's an ego and then there's spirit and ego's bad and spirit. You know, I don't I don't see anything wrong in life. I just feel like it's this experience. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question about other people, I think that yeah, other people, I feel like they land on our path propitiously is the word for Taoism. But for reason, you know, and, and, and if you look at nature, it's trying to balance things out. If it's too hot there and it's cold, a cold front there, they come together, it swirls around, becomes a storm wind. If the sea temperatures are too hot, a hurricane will blow through, churn up the waters, cool them down, you know, and, and life is just reaching around trying to balance itself. And I feel like that happens with people too. And that's why some people that would be really working hard on a spiritual path, I get frustrated that they get still get pulled into some kind of like conflicted encounter. But if you look at it, like, why wouldn't somebody with a lot of compassion be forced to meet somebody with a lot of pain? You know what I mean? Not forced, Mm. but but brought together. Yeah. So, so yeah, I do think it's that we meet for a reason. I remember, um, I think it was Wayne Dyer's teachings again, because I've listened to so much of his stuff, but he was talking about, um, I'm pretty sure it was him. He was talking about, you know, a guy who goes and he, he meditates for three years or something like that. And then he comes, he thinks he's all like all good, all Zen. And then he comes back and then he's, you know, at the train station buying his ticket. And all of a sudden it's like all of, all of his teachings have gone out the door, right? Because there's a line up in front of him and the train's (laughs) delayed and his cash card's not working and all this kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's just funny when you're talking about that, how, Yeah. I mean, a big part about it sometimes is maybe you are really compassionate, but maybe you need to put it into practice as well. Right. How that shows for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's your work with the archetypes and why do you find that the archetypes are important? Well, okay. So an archetype is basically, you can think of it kind of as a, as a prototype or, you know, like we, we've, we see it in movies, like the archetype of the damsel distress or, you know, the archetype of the Merlin character, Lord of the Rings. We see them in dreams. We see them in the Tarot deck. We see it in the Yijing, you know, we see it in our mythologies. So the archetypes are basically 
you know, the, the theme um, and my interest in them obviously is from the work that I do with dream interpretation, because like Carl Jung, um, well, I thought Freud obviously was the one who really pioneered an appreciation for dream conscience or as a messenger of what is unknown to us, what's like unconscious, where then Jung really worked a lot with the idea that the unconscious isn't just all repressed ideas, bad sex, you know, that there's some individuation or some metamorphosis that is occurring you know, through, through dreams or whatever. But what he saw, and I saw too, is the pattern when people are dreaming, you know, they will, you know, dream of mythical characters that they don't know anything about, you know, until they tell me the dream. It's like, well, you're dreaming of Toth, the ibis-headed god of the underworld, yeah. or, you know. And so, you know, the idea of archetypes um, and and you'll hear like a lot of different interpretations about it. I I I see them more shape shifting, right? Like one archetype would be like the shadow, and this is what you know when we have nightmares. I always say are our good thing because some part of our power is quaking and and trying to come come up, and it might feel frightening, you know. But like the character that would be scaring us, stalking us, trying to shoot us. You know, that shadow character could just as easily later be, you know, some the higher self version or, you know, so, you know, I mean, when so when people talk about archetypes, yeah, you can thematically, I guess, if you look at literature and, and movies, you can see like, like I said, the magician, you know, the, the different um, characters, like with the oracles, I can see that, like, for example, the chariot. I don't know how familiar you are with tarot, but there's like uh, one of the one of the cards is the chariot. Mm -hmm. And so the chariot and the idea of transportation vehicles and dreams, transportation vehicles and dreams have a lot to do with motivation. There's a lot to the chariot that has to do with motivation. And then if you look in the Yijing, you'll find army seven that also has a lot to do with, you know, so you see this thematic uh, archetype representation across cultures that really had no contact as the Chinese were in no way, you know, uh, part of like what was coming through Greece and Rome, you know what I mean, in terms of like creative ideas. So where did these, you know, where do these ideas come from? You know, that's what archetypes are. I don't know. Did, did that answer your question? Um, it Yeah, it did. It did to a degree. I guess I'm just puzzling through a little bit about, you know, well, so honestly, I've, I have so many questions. So it's just about <laughs> me choosing, you know, an appropriate one to go first, really. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about seeing these, okay, so an archetype is, is it essentially uh, a character or a, is it like a person place? or a thing, or is it just a person playing a particular character? I mean, how could you define an archetype? Yeah. I'm the kind of person, if you haven't figured it out by now, is I don't like a lot of definition because I think generally we're all wrong. <laughs> Honestly, that's one <laughs> okay. thing I, I, in my time on this planet, it seems like whenever we think we're, you know, uh, oh yeah, we've got it all figured out. Well, we don't. So, you, you know, generally it would be a person like, like a famous person in your dream is an archetype. If you dream of like, you know, uh, Jennifer Aniston or something, you know, she, she's got some 
archetypal like qualities to her that you might be dreaming of because there's some part of her, what she represents that you're exploring having a presence within you. Um, but like in the sense that like the chariot card is yeah. more of a vehicle, right? Yeah. And if you really break it down, you know, there's like the black and white sphinx, I think in the card or, you know, the choice between will and spirit. And, uh, you know, so there, and in the, the same way that transportation symbols as a rule in dreams, you know, show our motivation and how, like, is there a lot of emotion involved? Could be a, something that we're traveling on water. Is it feeling like somebody's laid out the future for us traveling on a train or is our car out of control or someone else driving it? And so the idea of, uh, you know, I mean, I'd say that most people would answer the question saying generally the archetypes are, are characters, you know, uh, the the old, the wise man, the wise woman, the animus and anima, male and female sides of the psyche, the shadow. Um, but what I, but I, but I can't help but say working with so many people for so long all over the world with their dreams that I haven't that I've watched how these archetype shapeshift, you know, so like walking near the shore of the water by the, by an ocean is our willingness to sort of open to the unknown, you know, and the type of scenarios that unfold in dreams, they all have thematic properties. So when I look at archetypes, I'm, you know, and in fact, when I, I just did a book, I wrote a book about the archetypes in tarot. And I mentioned a lot about how they are the same in the different oracles. Um, you have to get kind of beyond beyond just the idea that it's a person, right? Because there's right. cards like the tower, the idea yeah, of the tower. Exactly. It's a it's a lot like Shiva, right? In Hinduism, the destroyer, or uh, you know, so the different the different representations of elements that happen on the path might be a better way to say it. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's almost like a literal it's it's almost as though a literal example of something, but then you can take it deeper, right? So if you mm -hmm. saw even uh, an ocean and it was really choppy, lots and lots and lots of waves, then you mm -hmm. then you could always look at that and go, okay, well, um, lots and lots of waves on this in the ocean. So obviously something is tumultuous. There's chaos happening. But then if we look deeper, we go, okay, well. The ocean is a water element. Water is a lot about intuition. Mm -hmm. And you could also say like, when I'm doing dream work with people, I'm always telling them to look for what's weird because that's really the, <laughs> that's the clue. That's like the, the holy grail of what your dream is trying to tell you. So when you're down, you know, something comes out of the ocean, what, it, what's weird? What makes it different? What makes that beach different? Like there's, you know, there's blue sandals hanging from a, you know, patio door or something by the <laughs> beach. I don't know. No, it's like, what is it that, that makes it different and unique? And, and that's pretty, you know, recurring in all mm. dreams. In fact, I think that's why we generally dismiss them because of their bizarre quality when it's the bizarre things that are, that are really like, you know, the hero's trinket to solve their destiny and identity right oh that's so cool do you think that in our dreams all the things in our dreams are represent representations of ourselves yes. or for example okay so if i'm dreaming <laughs> jennifer aniston it's not actually i mean obviously but it's not actually jennifer aniston so jennifer aniston is maybe showing me something 
within myself that needs to be, do you think? It's what, it's the adjective you would use to describe Jennifer Aniston, you know, uh, when other people appear in our dreams. So like, let's say you'd call her, you know, she's feminine and funny or something. I don't know, like whatever, if you, that quality, it's not that she's not really in the dream. Your idea of her is in the dream and you're mirroring it back to yourself to see if you maybe should be more funny or whatever it was you associated with her. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because I think that sometimes, you know, I don't want to remember my dreams, you know, if they're scary or something like that, I go, I don't want to, I don't want to remember that, you know? So, but what you're saying is that, no, there's something in there for me to be figuring out, to, to be working through or to use as a gift. Would you say that, that that's well, fair? I can, I can answer your question by what I've seen happen. Yeah. People sometimes have a scary dream over and over and over in the same dream. So on one hand, I can say whether or not you remember your dream, uh, whether you remember them, you're gonna, your psyche is clearing itself of self-limiting ideas. It's trying to you know, springboard your potential, how, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's going to do it whether or not you remember your dreams, right? So you don't have to, oh. to do anything. But when people are having the same dream over and over, what I notice every every circumstance, it, the moment that we talk about it and they see what it means and that it's not as negative as the thought, that it's actually an empowering message, they stop having, having the dream. So mm -hmm. I don't know, does that answer your question? Because it's like, do we have to work with our dreams? Not all the time, but there are times, and especially when they're scary, because if you think of the psyche, like I was saying, the rain has to come for your inner garden, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's the, the soil has to be tilled. It has to be kept, you know, fresh and mulched. And, you know, so sometimes it can get like, you know, frozen. And and that's the, the element of why we would have dreams of being in a tundra, a, you know, frozen landscape. Everything's mirroring the condition of our inner world, or we're exploring that side of us through a mirroring of uh, what we're seeing in the dream. So, you know, so like I said, we don't, you don't have to remember them and they're still doing work. We're still, we're being transformed. I think that the evolutionary mechanism for us is dialed into us while we sleep. Like what, mm -hmm. otherwise we would get too, uh, we would buy into conformity. We would, we would give up our uniqueness to be loved <laughs> or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. We mm -hmm. would end up like becoming very unhealthy because once psychically we're not healthy you know lying to ourselves trying to be what we're not physically we become unhealthy mm -hmm. you know so it's like i feel like that i think nature designed us to dream to keep as an outlet. uh yeah as an outlet for evolution right right and growth yeah and it's in a way of you know processing stuff is what i'm hearing from you as well isn't it mm -hmm. it's a way yeah, of like like i compare it to the digestive system very similar. Yeah. We, we keep what's good and we release what's what's not. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So when you were talking earlier about how we are everything in our dream. So if you're in a dream, let's say, and you have, you're engaging with, I don't know, six people. Let's just pretend I'm just using a random example. Are you all those six people? I call it the committee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, seriously, because we have a lot of sides to ourselves. 
um, and at any time when, that we're going to go through some sort of transformation, committee has to kind of show up, you know, and, and you could you could get into the nitty gritty of it and find out what these parts represent. But generally, I just call it I call it the committee. But, you know, a very common dream for people that are getting out of college or going into the workforce like in, in their 20s um, before they hit 30 is what I call the chase dream. Uh, attack can be in chase. I think I have it in my dream dictionary is that is because we were told we were somebody while we grew up with our family. We went to college and we experimented with who we, you know, what what we have to do, what we can get away with, whatever. And then when you go kind of into the workforce, you have to be somebody, whether or not you're ready for it. Like you might be a manager and have to deal with people in a way that just doesn't come natural to you or, you know, and so that night when you dream, there there's a the person who shows up in the dream that's coming back to attack you is this new character. And, and that's why when you get older, they you stop having those kinds of dreams. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but when when some part of us gets pulled out of our comfort of what we think our identity is, whether we ever become, you know, that supervisor that has to be a disciplinarian or whatever. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you would then dream of yourself as the this thing person. It could just be a shadow. Like you never really have a sense of who it is that's chasing you, but your own identity has become in conflict with what you think you are and what you're being forced to become. Oh, that's so cool. So how would somebody work through that if they go, okay, I'm getting chased a lot. How would they then take that knowledge and use it in their everyday life? Or is it different based on the circumstances? I think, you know, I think on, on one hand, you know, a lot of people that just go, all right, go ahead, kill me. <laughs> like they face it. They face it. Um, and that's kind of symbolic, right? Because it's a willingness because people that death in dreams is really a mirror of some sort of transformation, a, mm -hmm. a willingness to let go of something. Um, and so, you know, that that sense of doing it in the dreamscape is is an, enough to say I'm open to seeing what I might be. I don't need to have. To, I don't need to say being a disciplinarian boss is a bad thing, and I still need to be Jimmy that my dad thinks is really sweet. Or you know what I mean? Like you know, mm. there's gonna be there's gonna be some give and take as the identity. You know, but the but I was just using that as an example of yeah. the mirroring that goes on in the dreamscape. That would be considered, oh, I had a horrible dream last night. You know, someone who was trying to kill me. Well, no, it happened because, you know, a lot of times when somebody, when their anger gets the best of them, they may dream of a bear attacking them or a tiger. You know, they, they don't own it. It came out of nowhere. And then that night they go to bed and they get that same sense of, whoa, wow. you know, that animalistic side of them kind of bites back. So when, when we see our dreams as our mirror like that, we get a lot more from it. Yeah. Cause then you go, Oh, okay. I'm in the middle of the transformation. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Or I have this unprocessed anger. And now I know that maybe if I'm angry, I need to, I don't know, mm -hmm. go do some boxing or something and let it out. Um, although, or, you know, or, or, or be honest about it or be honest. Yeah, it. there you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like how you're talking about how it's almost as though dreams are detoxing us in a way. Yeah, they are definitely. Yeah. I get a I mean, lot of dreams for me about being stuck on high buildings or high ladders, like heights mm -hmm. is my, my theme. I notice. Are you on the outside of a building? Outside. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good actually, because that's showing that you're, you're, you're wanting to get somewhere. You're wanting to achieve those kinds mm -hmm. of dreams. 
usually have to do with achievement. And when you use the word stuck, you know, then you have to kind of consider what's, what is it in the imagery that's making you use that word that you're stuck on a building or you're stuck on a ladder. Um, you know what I mean? No, cool. And, and what was weird in it, right. To, to understand the key. To, yeah. What was weird in yeah. it? That's right. But I if you're, just looking. Yeah. And if you, and if you, but if that, if that's a common theme for me, for you, then we're definitely getting a sense that, hey, you've got, you definitely are trying to achieve a lot. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes mm. we need to like be happy with where we are for a while, hit a plateau, you know, so. Oh yeah, that's so cool. I love that a lot. If somebody's wanting to, you know, work on, on, you know, remembering their dreams. I mean, I know you did talk about at the beginning to say that there were, there are consistencies that you've seen in your experience with dreams and with Oracle. And I think you also said with astrology, they can connect. So if you're not remembering your dreams, don't worry, there's other ways of you getting information and guidance from source. But do you find that, you know, tracking your dreams, having a dream journal, taking fish oil, like, are there things that you do special herbs or essential oils that you recommend people use? No, I mean, what I find is when I when somebody wants to take an active interest in their dreams it seems to they seem to remember them more oh, you know, it's uh, when I yeah like exactly mm. intent and so like when I start working with somebody they tend to start remembering their dreams but they'll go through cycles you know because the dream always seems to be about two weeks maybe in front of the experiential transformation so we'll be doing something in a dreamscape oh. and and we most of us don't know where we are in that process because we're not really paying attention to our dreams. But if you are, you have the opportunity to see how you're working through this idea. And then, you know, somewhere within a two weeks, it seems like there's a synchronistic opportunity to kind of like the hero's initiation on the path. Like, oh yeah, you ready? Well, here, you know, defend that, you know, or <laughs> you have to kind of like see if it's real for you or, um, so you do get more of a sense of synchronicity and there's nothing more cool than being in the right place at the right time. And that's what I really love about mm-hmm. synchronicity because it gives you that sense that that sense that like everything's working perfectly, you know, that because it, it had to be for you to have that sense that you already knew this was, you know, perfect. I don't know. So, um, mm. so you know, I mean, I used to be really big on, yeah, you know, we should all really work hard to remember our dreams. And, and I would say definitely, you know, having the intent is going to help, but more and more. um, And that's really why I brought oracles kind of more into my website is I feel that we don't necessarily have to remember our dreams, but we do have to be inspired by what they're doing for us. And if we can't remember them and we, you know, want to get in touch with the same open attitude, that would be like saying, who am I now? <laughs> you know, like what is possible for me? And you take that to kind of an oracle uh, and get like uh, uh, some information that you weren't expecting, you know, and like, oh, the fool, you need to jump off and just take a step take into a the unknown. No, I'm yeah. not good at that. I've never done that before. Well, oh, there you go. That's why you're not happy or, you know, like it's a, the same thing happens in dreams, right? that we have, we're totally open-minded and it's kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm not ready for this, but there you go. We're living yeah. it. 
Do you think sometimes we we get to almost practice before the big show? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I, I definitely feel like dreams are an opportunity to um, work through some painful, sometimes very painful ideas that have been self-limiting, but we get to do it in a safe environment. Even even our body has been designed so we don't move or we've got a paralytic feature, you know, so we don't slap ourselves or, you know, like it, it, we've been designed to have this experience in a, in a virtual reality, right? Yeah, is really what it is. So, yeah. Do you lucid dream, Carrie? I don't believe in lucid dreaming. I told you, I already, you know, I had all these out-of-body type things. That's a yeah. whole other conversation because yeah. that was a real, real, real life changer for me. But um, lucid dreaming is when you're bringing consciousness into the dream state. You're bringing aspects of the mind that are normally shut down when when dreaming, uh, judgments and logic and um, what it's it's not the same as dreaming, right? Like, why would we want to lose a dream? Why would we want to take the purity of what's happening in the dream state and cloud it with ego assumptions, expectations, and logic? Does it, do you know what I mean? So I know oh. people do it and, you know, that's great. Uh, but I wouldn't call, I wouldn't see it as a path to enlightenment, lucid dreaming. Right. Okay. Interesting. Can I just ask you quickly before we wrap here about the astral plane as well? Are you familiar with that? Do you think we go there when we dream? And do you think that we work on our soul's plan and things of that nature in our dream state on the astral? Um, I, I've definitely been in a place where there's a vibration of energy. I think kind of like an emotional condition that you could call an astral plane because it's people that are alive here on the earth, even though I wasn't here on the earth. You know what I mean? So I know there's a, there's a place that we're resetting or re resetting. Re yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if we're there and we're, we're, we're vibrating here or we're vibrating here and there. I don't, I really don't know. Mm. Um, but I do feel like it's, there is not some side of a, like, I don't, I guess I don't buy into the idea that this whole life experience is is really like evil and we're bad and it doesn't get good until we go to heaven. I just don't buy that. And so when people use the word soul, it, it just gets me feeling like, I feel like we can be whatever it is that we're trying to be in our soul. We can be that as a very physical human being with our 30 feet in the earth. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, I don't like to separate that whole thing, but I can just say from my own experience that there is, and I think that's what I draw a lot on when I'm working with people, because uh, I know way too much about them that I shouldn't know that I've been in those realms, you know what I mean? And there yeah. is like, like, I don't know if you, uh, so I think in some sense, yeah, I, I guess that, just to answer your question. There is, I guess, what you could call an astral plane for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like how you're talking about how you just seem to give me the impression that you just think everything's in divine protection, um, perfection and harmony. I do. I feel that. Definitely. Yeah, I love that makes me feel emotional when, when, I, when I feel, I feel your heart in that. And I, I think that's so wonderful because you don't, you don't strike me as somebody who sees the separation, you know, like the them versus me and the black and white. You just like, I honestly, I, that a lot of that comes from Taoism because the Taoism is the philosophy of removing boundaries and learning how not to have opposites. 
like there there isn't good or bad or right or wrong right you know it's like the middle way that's where the whole idea of the middle way comes from um and in that in that like not being the host being the gas letting what whether you want to call it god Tao, angels your higher self i don't know what you want to call it mm-hmm. let it let it be the one that would know and, and when you open yourself to that you can't help but get the 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 sense of perfection resonating back to you it in fact i sometimes i've honestly had the feeling that i've disappointed whatever it is because i wasn't appreciative you know like i don't know i, I feel like life conspires to make us happy. I truly believe that. And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like we struggle and scrape up our knees, you know, on the way to getting there. But, you know, there's a reason for it. You know, like a lot of times we've moved so far into the future that we forgot we asked for this one thing. And when it shows up, we're not even grateful. I don't know. I don't know if you're following me, but, you know, I feel like the the biggest gift that we uh, can utilize on the spiritual path is gratitude being present, mm-hmm. being grateful, not being too much in a hurry, being able to see that life is trying to give us what what it is we want. And if it's not, then it's meeting us halfway because it's trying to pull us out of ourselves. You know, it's trying to get us to the next the next possibility because it's never over. It's that I, I feel that it's never over. I mean what happens when we die, I don't know, but but it's we're never grown all the way. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. never done. <laughs> yeah. And I can say for myself, and I don't know if, if you have the same experience, but you know, if things have gotten difficult or tough or, you know, maybe I'm I'm off track, let's say, that it forces me to learn something new or go back to within or meditate more or eat better. You know what I mean? It's always or even be social. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes that's very true. You hit the nail (laughs) from be social, right? (laughs) Right. And take one, you know, like take that one step out of whatever complacency you've got yourself into, you know, like whether it's take a new class or. Yes, exactly. Try a new hobby or something like that. Yep. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. We're out of time, but I, I think it's interesting. We did cover you know, quite a few different sort of subjects here. And I know that, you know, when you are someone like yourself, who's got seven books and, you know, an incredible website and, you know, many, many decades of learning, maybe, sorry, maybe not many, many decades, but <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> decades. I'm okay years. being the old wise one, right? <laughs> <laughs> the wise woman archetype. There you go. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult for us to really talk about every subject in the in the time that you know we have allocated and and to the extent that with that we could it would probably be impossible but is there anything I didn't ask you that you felt called to speak on today that you know maybe you're feeling intuitively you'd like to mention and also I'll just let our listener know at home that I'll put a link to Cafe O Soul and um, Carrie's Facebook and Instagram and also where you can get her Oracle and her tarot and her I Ching readings as well. Yeah. I mean, now you've, we've pretty much gone all through the universe <laughs> <laughs> and back again. Yeah. yeah back again. Yeah. It's no, true. And I really, I appreciate you uh, in, inviting me and it was really nice getting to know you. Uh, you too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you and come back again sometime. I know we have lots more to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you.
New episodes every Thursday.